Can you, uh, can you send me the DIY res- recipe when you're done? <laughs> yeah. Can you Sorry, get out Johnny. your phone, please? You <laughs> Sorry, please? Johnny. Animal Crossing yeah. joke. <laughs> oh, nerds. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, hello, and welcome to episode 141 of the Erasable Podcast. Uh, I'm on hosting duties tonight. I'm Andy Welfley, and uh, joining me are my favorite co-hosts, uh, my only co-hosts, but still my favorite ones, uh, Johnny Gamber and Tim Wassum. Hey, guys. Hey, hello, Andy. How's it going? Hey. Later today, we are going to talk to Stephen Lawson, uh, who is the creator of uh, the Monk Manual Notebooks, which is um, something that Tim has talked to uh, pretty extensively here about. It's uh, really interesting, and he has some kind of interesting perspectives to share. Um, but before we do that, um, let's get into our tools of the trade. Um, Tim, what are you consuming and writing with and on? The thing I've been most fascinated with is salt, fat, acid, heat. I finally got around to watching that on Netflix. Have either of you mm. watched this? I've read no. the book, but I haven't watched the show. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, really good. I'm listening to the book. I We are watching the show. Which were, I mean, it's only four episodes, so we're like almost done with it. And I am listening to her with Samin's podcast with Rishi Hirway, uh that's called Home Cooking, that they're making like this special mini-series podcast about cooking from home during quarantine. So, yeah. nice. and it's, re- it's really great. So, I've just, I've been enjoying that quite a bit. It's really, uh, that, the documentary the miniseries is really beautifully shot and super mm-hmm. fascinating. So mm-hmm. uh, Jane and I just started Broadchurch. Love that show. Which is a show that we sort of like hate but love at the same time because it's like so painful to watch sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Jane, and there are certain characters in there where you're just like, I hate you. I want you to fall off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, Jane like literally like sort of like cringes back from like the TV. <laughs> and it's not that it's graphic. It's just that it's like you're finding out what actually happened and you're feeling just icky about things. I don't know. So it's, it's just tense. And also it, the, not to spoil much, but the, the case they're working on in season one, if you haven't seen it is a, uh, involves a child dying. Yeah. So that part of it also can be pretty rough to think about and watch, yeah. but we are, but also, but, but also there are two doctors from doctor who and, um, the <laughs> yeah. Queen. And the Queen of England. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, but it's it is a it is a good show. So, uh, and the last thing which I'm really excited about is my favorite songwriter today, Jason Isbell, is coming out with a new album on Friday. Uh, which this would be what's what's Friday, May the fourteenth, fifteenth, fifteenth. Okay, May the fifteenth. So um, it's officially coming out on May the fifteenth. But he, because of COVID nineteen and quarantine, he released it a week early to independent record stores. And so I was able to get my local record store to order me a copy, a uh, really cool vinyl. It's in or it's called orange dream sickle. It's like orange and white swirl together. Ooh, really neat. cool looking. And the album is fantastic. His last three albums have just been an unreal string of just perfect albums. I don't know how he's doing it. And I, and there's actually a really good article in the New York times today about the making of the album and how much, pressure he was feeling about matching the success of his last three. So it's actually these, these four albums have just been Mm. just incredible. And so it got, things got kind of sticky in his personal life because of all the pressure that he had building up on himself. Uh, really good article too, but yeah, the album's called reunions and it's fantastic. There's a few songs that are already available on Spotify, but you know, the rest of it will be available this Friday. 
Um, and I am writing with a News 600 in a Field Notes craft. Oh, nice. Craft yeah. graph edition. Nice. Johnny, how about you? Awesome. So, um, of course, I'm reading White Blood um, by Geeky Petrosino, who was on our last episode. My pre-order hasn't um, arrived yet. Oh, that's weird. I've, I ordered mine from Amazon. I feel like a, sh- like a shill. <laughs> but um, it came with two pounds of coffee. So it was, it was a necessary shipment. Um, but I, I read a really short book by Carrie Smith called The Wander Society. Have you guys ever read any of her books? She wrote um, like Reckless Journal. No. And stuff like that. Oh, it's, yeah. No, I, I haven't yeah. read it, but I know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, their motto, I don't know how to pronounce Latin, Salvitor Emilando is a tattoo I have. It's um, Latin for it is solved by walking. So I picked up a copy of that and read it. And like, they're really obsessed with Whitman, which doesn't make a lot of sense because he wasn't the walker Thoreau is. But yeah. I bet know, the Whitman walked a lot too. They, they give, they give Thoreau a good, a good nod. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was, it was a cool book. I don't know what to make of it in some ways, but I can't say what I can't make of it without spoiling it. So moving on. Um I read what is possibly the best book about anxiety I've ever read, and I've read a lot of books about anxiety, called um, Stopping the Noise in Your Head by Dr. Reed Wilson. Um, and it's one of those, like, he doesn't want to write any more books. This is the pinnacle of his career and everything he's learned in, like, four decades of treating anxiety disorders all rolled into one book that's kind of tough. Not tough reading, but, like, tough love. Like, yeah, it sucks. You're going to have to dig yourself out of this. Um, but... There's some really cool videos that go along with it that uh, we'll put in the show notes that um, if you enjoy what they say, you might enjoy the book. It's kind of a long book. And um, my last thing, not British TV. We just finished the four hours of um, the American Experience film about George W. Bush on uh, PBS. came out last week. Did you guys catch any of this yet? Mm -mm. No, not yet. It was super good because... um, you know, our country's a little divided and um, it wasn't like, you know, he's a stupid idiot and a war criminal, but it wasn't also like, you know, oh, cut on some slack. It was pretty even handed and really, really well done. And um, yeah, that's it. And I am writing with a papermate Earthrite that's probably from 2003, 2004 in the last two pages of a right notepads amethyst book. Have you, Andy? Gosh, what am I consuming? Uh, Animal Crossing. No, no big surprise. I feel like that's still <laughs> sort of consuming my life. It took a lot of my like mental muscle not bringing up during my. <laughs> so I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna stop there and just let you keep talking. <laughs> no, it's it's all right. It's I like, don't get you it. You back up. Yeah. Are you consuming Animal Crossing, or is Animal Crossing consuming you? Yes. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> Yeah, um, the screenshots you post online look really cute. Yeah, it, it is really cute. I've I've uh, since uh, had little Animal Crossing dates with uh, two of my nieces, and Tim and I have hung out on Animal Crossing a few times. I've, I sent you a couple musical we instruments. slept together on, on Animal yeah. Crossing. Yeah, we got the we got in the my rattan double bed together a couple times. <laughs> you know, whatever happens, to Animal Crossing. Is it Animal Crossing? Uh, <laughs> it is. It is delightfully cute and charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. game. It's. Yeah. Of course, my, yeah. my friend uh, and dog great co-host Will Fangi uh, has since gotten into Animal Crossing, and he's he goes when he plays a game, he like really really commits, and he like has this like daily task list of the things that he does in Animal Crossing, and has to make sure he does so he can like win it. I'm just like, way to make it not fun, Will. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's all right. Um, besides that, we've been uh, watching. Uh, we finished the season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the latest season. Um, Katie's been really into um, Natalie Wood lately. So we've been watching. We've been having a little Natalie Wood film festival. So um, we watched this kind of terrible movie called Sex and the Single Girl, Single Girl um, which is very, very loosely based on the life of um, uh, the woman who started uh, Cosmopolitan Magazine. You know, with like the um, mm-hmm. the quizzes and everything, it's very like kitschy in this mid '60s sort of way. It's it's it kind of reminds me of like, do you remember Down Down with Love? That movie that was made in like the early 2000s, but was kind of based off of like those old Doris Day movies. No, no. Uh, had um, shoot, what's her name um, from Bridget Jones' Diary? Um, Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger had. Uh, the Irish guy. <laughs> I can't think of names today. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, it's very much like a play on like those old kind of rom-coms from the 60s. And this is very much the style of that. So we watched that last night. We watched this show called this movie called Cash McCall with um, James Garner and Natalie Wood from 1960. It's yeah, it's really good. She's in. Uh, we watched um, uh, shoot Tom and Sally and Harry. And <laughs> I can't think I am having the worst time with the right now. <laughs> From like, At least it's uh, not like a job interview. That would be bad. yeah, that'd be the worst. <laughs> like, nice to meet you, Mister. Yeah, um, t- Ted and Carol and Dick and Alice, something like that. It's very good. It's from the seventies. It has a very like, you know, interesting. It's 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 sort of about like open relationships and marriage. It's very controversial for the time that it came out. It's yeah, it was very just a very well written movie. Um, yeah, so Natalie Wood, we still have... Oh, and we watch West Side Story because, you know, really great musical, mm-hmm. really good movie, such good dancing. Um, Jane and I have been talking about getting into musicals coming because she's seen most of them. I've seen, like, nothing. So <laughs> so I think that's our next, like, foray, and what we're watching is we're going to go through some classic musicals that I've just missed because of just... Yeah, be sure to watch uh, My Fair Lady. That has some of yeah. the best best writing for a musical, in my in my opinion. That was the first one Jane mentioned that she nice. said that was the one we should start on. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm excited about. It. I, I think I've seen that one, but it's I don't remember much, and yeah, I think I remember liking it. So we're gonna but we're gonna start there. Nice, um, cool. And then uh, finally, um, something we just discovered because maybe it's new. Um, uh, Rick Steves Europe is on Hulu all the seasons except season one. Oh wow, I didn't know so, all of them were on there. Awesome. One of one of the best sort of like Sunday morning chill out things to do is just watch some episodes of Rick Steves Europe while you make breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like to go and and watch the ones that aren't just like you know Italy or Ireland or whatever. Like he has he has some in like Eastern Europe, like in Slovenia and Croatia, and those are really good. Yeah, did you ever watch that show that um, I think it was on PBS called um, Globe Trekker? I think uh-huh. in other countries they called it Lonely Planet. Yeah, that was yeah. a cool one. That was a good. That was a. They went to some random spots. They sure did. Um, he's he's just sort of like a wholesome Anthony Bourdain, right? Like he (laughs) goes to these spots, and you know, he's just, you know, apparently he's not actually like that in real life, Rick Steves, but his his on screen personality is very, very wholesome. Uh, And I'm writing uh, with my golden bear in my Lich Term Red Dots journal. Yeah. Um, What's he like in real life? You just, I don't I'm get stuck on that. What's no, I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know myself, but he is, okay. <laughs> he's divorced. Apparently his son is like, kind of like has gotten into travel himself and is a company on some of these things. Um, 
Yeah, I okay. think. I mean, he just has his own show and his own sort of like brand, right? So Sorry, I, I, I just say that because as you were talking, I pulled it up on Hulu just to look at it and saw the picture of him. I'm like, yeah, he's just going to say that he's like, he's like a meth head or something. Like, yeah. I, I just can't like imagine because he looks so like straight laced. <laughs> I've never seen it. So I'm just like, what is, what's this guy's secret? Is he yeah. like, what's he into? Yeah, his the Amsterdam episode is off the hook. <laughs> Oh, it's good. We're gonna watch it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> should, should we get into should we get into fresh points? Sure. Yeah. Tim, how about you? I just got one thing I wanted to bring up, which is uh, that the membership, my podcast about Wendell Berry that I do with my friends John Pattison and Jason Hardy, is coming back uh, uh, this week. So we this season. Hiatus. This is season two, but it's been a. We our original kind of strict structure of season one has stretched out quite a bit with season two for our own sanity because there's just so much reading to do. <laughs> so um, we're we're doing a lot of reading for this season, this upcoming season, and because of COVID and because of just some scheduling issues and complications just in our own lives, uh, we had to take a little break for a couple months, and we all felt super guilty about it and wanted to do it, but it just wasn't working out, but we wanted to make sure that we weren't uh, forcing it. That was one of the things we said when we started the podcast, we didn't want to uh, force it to be something or to be on such a strict, strict schedule. If it was going to take away from our own lives, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, cause we, I don't think Wendell Berry would appreciate that if we were doing <laughs> that. Uh, so, but yeah, John and I recorded an episode last week, uh, which was, uh, about our first novel we have it's our first novel we've talked about so we talked about the novel nathan culture which was the first published book by by wendell berry and it was a lot of fun talking to him about that and then the next episode we're doing in a couple weeks is we decided to instead of sticking to our timeline that we've done in the past uh we are going i mean we're still going to do that but now we've decided that if there are any newer books we're going to bring them in sooner rather than later so that they're not like losing their relevance for being new. So the next book we're uh, going to be talking about is an essay collection he put out in 2018 called the art of loading brush, which talks about uh, president number 45 and uh, environmental issues that are going on right now and stuff like that. And so we're, we're really looking forward to talking about that awesome. uh, for the next, for the next episode. Yeah. Yes, you, you and I talked about this. I just picked up the, or is it the, I forgot the title, the essential Wendell Berry, the only one that he authorized. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the world ending fire. Yeah. Yeah. It comes uh, tomorrow. So I was looking forward uh, to your it's, podcast kicking back up. So good. So good. That's nice. a great selection of essays, but yeah, that's all I got. So we, that'll, that episode should be out soon. And then we'll be recording the episode on art of loading brush in the next uh, few weeks. Very cool. Johnny, how about you? Um, I only have one fresh point, and that is that um, Field Notes did what Aaron Draplin said they would not do and made more Dead Prince notebooks. Hmm. And they're called uh, Deader Prints. <laughs> so, um, and they have graph pages this time, which I'm excited about. What did they have last time? I think they were just blank last time, weren't they? Oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the Alphabet Soup ones that had the blue graph, which was mm. super sweet. Yeah. But uh, it's the same deal as last time. They're old. Uh, drap on designed posters, but outside I think they're hit with metallic fuchsia, and inside green. Like mm. that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but like the and they were announced at a really weird time, like eight o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Pacific on a Friday night. Yeah. And the website immediately crashed. <laughs> <laughs> sure so, like I'm just like up late watching um, Britbox. I was like having 
some Praro action because nobody was awake and hitting refresh every 10 minutes. Like, I'll get them when I get them. So um, they didn't sell out. They're still up today. Today's Monday. And they're still on the website. Yes. They're 15 bucks and limit two. And if you're a subscriber, I forgot you get 10% off, which was nice. I'm sure there are plenty of uh, uh, field, field nuts who just had, you know, their brother order two and their spouse order two and, you know, the cat order two. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> did, your money. Your, did each of your children order two, Johnny? I ordered two in case one of you guys didn't get on there and they sold out, <laughs> basically. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll steal them. Yeah. Um, um, what is my fresh point? So, um, I can't remember. Did we... I think we had the Adrift... Uh, I had an Adrift pen from Baron Fig in hand when we recorded last time, but it was like I had just gotten it, so... Um, yeah, mine, mine came the day after we recorded. Okay, so. yeah. Yeah, I've got mine out right now because you're talking about it. So, they're... Um, I don't, I don't know what you guys think, but this is like one of, you know, barring a special edition Erasable Baron Fig Squire, which is <laughs> the most beautiful one. This is like one of the most gorgeous ones. Oh, I yeah, definitely. I should have mentioned this in Fresh Points that uh, Paul from Bolsa Bag sent me one of their bags. And, and I, I love it. And the only two pens that I've been using in it, because I, I wanted to stack it full of like a million things. But the only two pens in there are my uh, my Twisby fountain pen and my adrift so i mean it is just it is such a good pen i've been yeah. carrying it around and using it all the time yeah so. and at the risk of being non-pg like the graphics make it look less like it takes batteries <laughs> so like i'll i'll use this outside <laughs> yeah the the color is really lovely the thing the thing i really wanted to talk about uh though was the uh the riddle that comes with it um yeah so i i do want to uh put a spoiler warning on this like if you uh haven't really dug into the uh the riddles on the side and you want to um please stop listening for maybe the next couple minutes um and jump back in um so skip ahead uh, a little bit um so spoiler warning um the so that there were 10, 10 riddles that came with it. Like, you know, they had, they were all kind of like nautical themed, like one, you know, the answer is a whale, one is the answer a lighthouse, et cetera. Um, but the thing that like has been really interesting and mysterious and has kind of like spawned some action in the group um, was that semaphore language, the flag, the maritime flag language that's kind of down the side. Um, I don't know. Have you, have you, have you two like given any thoughts to that thing or talked to anybody about it or no. seen what's up? Mm-mm. No. So, um, for sure, if you um, if you're interested, there is a thread that's pretty active on um, the Baron Fig Fanatics Facebook group right now. Where um, I'm trying to think, I think Ali Sarah um, has really kind of jumped on it. Um, several people have, have just been chatting about it, but um, basically, I'll, I'll kind of walk through what's happening so far. This is why there's a, a spoiler, um, but I would love any further insight if there are those who listen who aren't involved in this this group. Um, so, if you decode the flag language down the side. Um, it says it's like E-N-F-R-I-O, something like that, uh, E-N-R-F-I-O. And if you um, rearrange the letters, it spells on fire. So everybody's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? So we were like searching around, it says on fire. So finally, somebody went to the little website where you uh, put in your riddle to be decoded. Um, you basically, you put in like the number, uh, which riddle it was, and then your answer, and it gives you like a, a prize. Uh, the prize is $5 off $25 uh, 
uh, order on Baron Fig, by the way. Um, but if you put in on as the number and then fire as the uh, the code, you get a bright red screen with a number on it. And um, we we're trying to figure out what that says. Let me actually put it and see what the number says today. Uh, on fire. If you look at it right now, it's the screen is bright red and the number 1446 shows up. And we were like, what does that mean? What is 1446? And then we kind of figured out that every day there's a new number, uh, a new one, like it, it counts down. So somebody uh, put that in. They said like, well, what is, what is it counting down to? Like, so if, if it's, if it reaches the end, we'll reach zero days or zero on this number by April 24th, 2024, which is four years after the Adrift launched and yeah that's that's where we're at <laughs> we have no idea <laughs> there's been some other theories that have been thrown around there's some pretty fantastical theories out there that i wouldn't get into and and you know our, our friend joey uh joey cafone has uh been pretty been pretty sly with with uh and pretty tight-lipped about any um uh with any hints so <laughs> nobody knows so i just wanted to like catch people up and if anybody has any further ideas or if anybody's sort of like digging into the code of the website to see if that has any <laughs> hints that's been done for sure <laughs> um yeah so uh for sure come and join the baron fig fanatics group um which we'll have a link to in the show notes and kind of take part if you're interested so uh oh and oliver peckham um who's the the admin of the group uh has been really kind of like leading this effort so it's it's been pretty pretty fun to kind of talk to him about it um, that's about it. Uh, in my fresh points, should we very kind of briefly, uh, talk about our pencil of the month, sure. which is maybe a, a little bit of a cop out, <laughs> but <laughs> I think, I think we are all kind of living in a time where, you know, we we're at home a lot. We're using a lot of the stationery that's here in front of us instead of trying to buy too much more. Um, I guess maybe I should only speak for myself, but, um, I uh, the pencil of the month for May is really just whatever the closest pencil to you right now is. So it's not, it's not like you're the pencil the pencil of the month for May. Yeah, <laughs> for me, it's like you're doing like a yeah, valley girl. For, for May, it's gonna be for, May for May. Oh my god, it's gonna be for May. <laughs> <laughs> um, been living in California too long. <laughs> The pencil of the month for the fifth month of the year, which is May, <laughs> um, is we want to know, and the next episode we'll have a discussion, is um, what pencil have you had just sort of sitting in front of you, uh, just on your desk for work, for school, to use, and why? Um, and so maybe the three of us um, next episode can kind of come in and discuss that, and uh, I'll try to gather some feedback for from others, maybe in the Facebook group about that. So. Should we declare what it is right now so that we don't cheat? Well, I think it, I think it should be what we find ourselves mostly just leaning toward uh, by the next episode. Oh man, but to pick one? No, <laughs> you, you don't pick one. That's the point. You have to see what you just are naturally using the most. Of. Oh, it's like, yeah, like what different you? What's the thing you most often find yourself just like? It's just and, in your hand. You're not thinking about it. It's just always there. It's seven because, different things. Yeah. <laughs> well, is it because of convenience? Is it because of like how you like how it feels? Like, yeah. Like what kind of maybe gathers. And so Johnny, maybe for you, if it's like a bunch of pencils, it's just like, like a conglomeration of it. Like what is the common characteristic here? Like, why is it so handy? Like, why do you just have it out close to you? 
ADHD. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So should we should we jump into our main topic? Sure. Let's do it. Let's rock. All right. And we are here with uh, Stephen Lawson, who is the founder of Monk Manual, which is a uh, a uh, brand of notebook, uh, self-improvement notebook that we've talked about on the show before. Tim Tim discovered them and really uh, got into Monk Manual. So we're we're super excited to talk to you, Stephen. Welcome to the Erasable Podcast. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to talk with you guys today. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be really great. Um, so uh, maybe just start us off. Uh, tell us how you got started, maybe some background and where you came up with the goal for Monk, or kind of the idea for Monk Manual and how you got it off the ground. Yeah. So, um, you know, actually my background is in um, uh, largely marketing and, and branding. And um, I had been... Um, doing that sort of work for probably, I don't know, it ended up being maybe around like 10 years. And um, during that time, I was really into productivity. My, my personality is such that I am, I'm fairly goal-oriented by nature. Um, and I'm fairly um, maybe focused by nature, right? Um, and I, I would um, really go pretty deep into... Um, a lot of best practices around productivity, especially the last probably five years, uh, reading all the different kind of ways you can hack things and uh, try to optimize things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go, just getting really deep into that stuff. Um, and simultaneously, I've been interested in psychology for a long time and uh, more holistic, like spiritual growth as well. And what I ended up finding was that um, really productivity and um, Productivity in, in these in these spiritual masters and um, psychological best practices around flourishing all painted uh, all pointed to the same um, common ideas and in principles, um, which I saw most profoundly lived out in, in monks. And so, um, it's hard for me to explain exactly the specific genesis of the monk manual, um, other than to say, I mean, it really just came out of my own life path. I, I was, as I'm, as I alluded to, I was really into productivity and I'd, I'd often find that in, in many ways what would end up happening is I'd, I'd push myself kind of too, so hard and try and focus so much on being more productive, um, that it actually was leaving me somewhat frazzled and, and, and maybe feeling like a little bit less human. And, um, uh, I, I think at like the bottom of all that, I realized that, you know, it's funny. I think we turn to productivity, um, thinking like we want to be productive, but what we really want, I think is, is peace. Right. And mm-hmm. at least for me, I was finding this like path to productivity is like the world was prescribing. It was not really leading me to, to peace. So I was trying to find a, a, a different way. And that's, that's kind of what led me to the monk manual. So cool. Cool. So, um, outside of your own personal goals, so creating the monk manual as a product and a system and putting it out there for the world. What was that bigger goal? Yeah. You know, um, I, I, it, it came out of my own, as, as you just said, it did come out of uh, my own, uh, des- desire to have a system for myself. I, I think that there is, there's some truth to sometimes like the areas where you're naturally weak, so uh, I was just explaining some of the ways I, I wasn't really finding peace. Um, the, you, you kind of find that you know the contours of that a lot better than other people. It's like you kind of know your um, – when you work into your weaknesses, you actually end up 
having a real um, sense of insight that maybe isn't as commonly found for people who it maybe just comes naturally for. So, um, so I think, I think after making this discovery, one of the things that really was um, agitated is not the word, but um, really inspired me was this idea of trying to create a system for people that could just lead them to live a more holistic uh, lifestyle that could help them to um, be more reflective, more grounded in the present moment, to um, really be able to have some level of accountability and to do their most important work. Um, again, a, a lot of like productivity is really built off of um, efficiency and, and just trying to get through as much as you can. But I think the missing piece in a lot of productivity is actually um, reflection, right? Like the ability to say, uh, to, to actually work out what matters and what doesn't, right? Like you could spend three years of your life chasing after a goal that you then come to realize you never even really wanted or was just kind of a complete waste of time. Um, <laughs> and often we're moving so fast that I think that's a very common thing, right? We have we have an illusion of progress because um, we just confuse activity with progress and it's not the same thing. So I, I, I think that I saw that the productivity um, – the common wisdom around productivity, I think, today is is fundamentally broken, actually. Um, and and I wanted to move into that space and, in some ways, be like a speaker of truth. That sounds really romantic and dramatic, um, but that is that is actually how I feel. So, hmm. so when you as you describe this, and uh, it it makes me think about uh, my own struggles with using planners and using kind of organizational tools. Cause I, I very quickly go to that stage of feeling kind of drained by it or feeling like it was sort of like, I like how you said making you feel less human. Uh, I definitely identify with that myself. And so as, as you were kind of coming up with this idea, did you, did you initially just kind of make it for yourself and use it for a while and then decide to market it? Or was this kind of thing or did it start as an idea like, there's nothing, I got this thing in my head. There's nothing like it out there. I'm going to just go for it and make it. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it, it started with this idea that there was some sort of wisdom held within the life of monks that I wanted to pour it over. Um, and what I ended up doing was taking, taking that idea and building a system that I, even from the beginning, was planning on having uh, as a system for others. But I did have a period of time where I was trying to work through it myself. So I think prior to I, – I, I started the Monk Manual through a Kickstarter, actually. Um, that's how I launched it. And prior to doing that, I think I was using it in some form or fashion uh, for probably close to the finished version for about six months where I was just printing out um, pages and I had it in a three ring binder and it was, it was really kind of, um, it was pretty rough, right. But, um, not nicely designed or anything like that, but it was, it was the system. And, um, in that I tried to really work through what was working, what wasn't and try to, and I had a few, uh, a number of other people who were also in kind of like a beta group that I would start bringing in, um, to try and get their feedback as well. But I, I tried to really, um, yeah, I guess again, like feel out the contours of it and see what uh, really made sense. But but it, but beyond that, I, I guess what I could say is it wasn't so much something where I was going in blind and just saying like, let's see, let's throw a bunch of stuff into this pot and see what works. 
Um, it was really backed from a lot of research I had done. You know, in 2000, was it 18? Whenever it was I was developing this, whether I think it must have been 18. I ended up reading actually like 62 books that year, which I don't say wow. is like some sort of like pat on the back thing. I think there's actually something in some ways like sick about that, right? Like it's, I don't recommend <laughs> that. Um, I think there was there is some sort of obsession and also probably some sort of like ego in, involved in that. I don't think there's really, no one needs to be taking in that much like information, but, but all that to say, I mean, I read pretty much every book there is to read on productivity. That's an exaggeration, but I read, I mean, a lot of books on productivity, a lot of books on, um, on various uh, approaches to psychology. I, I was, I was taking in a lot of data sources that were kind of converging in my mind, right? I'm fairly intuitive as a person. So it, they were kind of, um, I was doing a lot of work kind of laying out the puzzle pieces in my mind, even far before anything got put to paper. So. Gotcha. And you, you talk about working off of those, those early PDFs. And that just made me think of we haven't, I guess we haven't asked you to, for those of you who maybe people listening who haven't listened to the other episodes where we talked about it, could you just describe just kind of quickly, just kind of the basic shape of this planner? Like what are the elements of this planner? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so I'll start by actually by saying if, if you go to first.monkmanual.com, you can download uh, the daily pages as a PDF. So anyone who wants to do that can do so. Um, but the, the, the planner itself is a 90 day planner. Um, the, the daily pages are 90 day, uh, but there's some extra pages for the weeks and months. And, and, and essentially how it's, how it works is, um, it's like a waterfall approach in a sense, right? So you have daily, um, you have monthly spreads, uh, in each month has a full page spread, right? And then every week, uh, has a full page spread and then every, um, uh, day has a full page spread. And the idea is that you kind of work from the top down because the way we relate to time changes between uh, the size of the unit of time. So you start with the month and then that kind of trickles down to how you plan your week, which then trickles down to how you plan your day. Um, and I, you know, I, to just highlight like a couple of things really quick, I think that what you'll find uh, that probably differs from this and, and any other systems, even if you're used to like on the, uh, other 90 day planners, um, really the focal point, well, two things. One is there's a real preference for um, depth over breadth. I mean, it is, um, uh, it's fairly intensive. And I don't mean that to be, um, it, it, I, intensive does not mean stressful. I think it can sound like it means stressful or it means it's like a ton of work. But um, I mean, it's meant to be, uh, this might sound like an exaggeration, but my hope was actually that it would be like an operating system, not just like an app you'd open up, right? It would be an actual <laughs> system upon which you could live your life. And so it's, a framework. it's fairly robust. Yeah, like a real framework, right? Not just like, I'm going to go and open this and it's my calculator on my computer to go run some numbers or like an Excel spreadsheet, right? So um, there's that. But then the other piece is, is there's a real preference for um, for uh, reflection, um, for the reasons I alluded to earlier, I think that there is a lot of wisdom out there to point to a well-lived life is kind of built off of, um, a pretty high level of reflection and, and self-awareness. Um, and, uh, yeah, just cutting, uh, once instead of, uh, measuring twice and cutting once I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of, um, which does fly a little bit in the face of like the whole move fast and break things, uh, <laughs> mantra. Um, but, um, yeah, that's what I, that's why I believe so. Fun irony. I used to work at Facebook. Oh, really? well, <laughs> you, <go>. <laughs> you, you could probably tell me if I'm wrong or not. No, I've, I've, 
wholeheartedly agree with with your philosophy. <laughs> I think it's much more. Yeah, you build a much better product. Uh, your product being your life. <laughs> if you're, you know, measuring twice and cutting once. Um, also, also fun uh, project management joke. I heard you say that this is a, a waterfall notebook. Do you make it an agile? Oh, funny. Um, you know what? You know what's actually really funny is I was I'm, I haven't been super. Um, I, I haven't done much work personally. I've never worked on a team up until maybe like the last three months where I've been working on a project. I do some consulting work as well, and and we've been doing a lot of agile stuff. And um, you know, it's not agile, but it, I am fascinated <laughs> by that idea. Do you know paper planners or anything like that that works off of like an agile method? I think that'd be hard, right? I actually don't know of paper planners that do that. I should. It's probably an opportunity. There. I have a feeling that some people <laughs> listening to this show um, would know that. So uh, let us know. Uh, get in touch if you have something like that. I would love to to talk about it. Um, yeah. So, Stephen, I, I I'd love to kind of pivot a little bit to the um, kind of some of the logistics and mechanics and details of the notebook itself. Um, sure. Your the so the monk manual is absolutely gorgeous. It is beautiful. The that like leather ish cover. Um, which we'll talk a little bit about the materials in a little bit. Uh, just really detail rich. Uh, the brand looks really original and cool. Um, I, I'm sure it had to have its challenges in production. Um, I would love to know if you, in as much as you're willing to talk about, um, tell us about maybe the design and the manufacturing process for these things. Yeah. So, um, where should I start? You know, <laughs> one of the things. One of the things is um, I had. Um, a few years ago, um, became acquainted with a designer who ended up using, uh, ended up being the designer for, um, this book and we really hit it off. And so what I ended up doing was I, I kind of like wireframed out, uh, what I wanted on each of the pages. And, um, I, um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly intuitive and, and one of the things I take a lot of pride in this actually, um, my audience, the people who end up buying the monk manual, which probably is actually f- somewhat similar to, I would imagine people who are listening to this podcast are pretty intentional. I find people who are really into stationery and into different writing tools and this and that, right? Like they're not just going and buying the, um, they're not, they're not necessarily living like a commodity based lifestyle, right? Like there's a certain level of intentionality there. Yeah. And, um, and when I was creating this, I didn't really want to create a commodity. You know, there's a, there's a really big market like say Amazon, for example, right? There's thousands, that's probably an exaggeration, but there's a lot of planners on Amazon and it's kind of like a race to the bottom, right? Of everyone's just got their commodity and they try and use the cheapest <laughs> materials. And I, like, basically you go and someone's selling well. So another person goes and creates the exact same thing and charges a dollar less just a little, you know what I mean? And, and that's I, like, that's fine, right? I'm not, I'm not mad about that, but um, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something that actually when people held it, 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 it kind of spoke to their own dignity as a person, right? Like it, it, um, even when I actually, these books, which a lot of them I was sending out personally in the beginning, we would wrap each of them in a like tissue paper, right? So it's almost like a gift when you get it. Um, and that's really intentional. So, so long story short, I really wanted to be intentional with it. And I found a designer I really hit it off with. And I put together all these docs that were kind of explaining, here's what I'm really going for. I was putting together like mood boards. I mean, I had pictures of, um, like, there's like these like offices in Paris and stuff and, uh, like leather couches and all these things. And I was explaining, I was, I was throwing out these people I had in mind and, 
um, she kind of just took all that in and it like gestated and she really churned out a design that I just felt like, you know, it's really rare for me at least where I've worked with a designer or someone in any sort of creative capacity where it's like you have this vision in your head that like is so um, maybe rich that you can't even really visualize it yourself. And then to have someone really nail it and take it to the next level, that was my experience here. And then, um, you know, what was really helpful is um, she had some experience as well in in printing. And um, at the time, I knew that, um, I don't know, I mean, I, um, I, people have a lot of different op- opinions on this, right? But um, I knew at the time that I was going to have to manufacture overseas because I just did not, um, from the from a cost standpoint and the amount of um, units I was going to be doing, I, I knew I wouldn't be able to financially um, swing it if I did in the States, at least to start. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, profit, in, in a really like amazing um, way, actually, uh, I, I it's so funny. I actually had in my monk manual at the time, I'd written down that I need to find a manufacturer that week because I was starting to, I was like, all right, I knew I was going to do this Kickstarter. I need to find out the day I was going to do it. Um, or I need to, I need to figure out what I do for manufacturing. And I had some angst about that. And then I found out that actually my designer was going to China. Um, she, she texted me like two days later that she was going to China to, for another client that she had, um, who was sending her and she was going to go to one of like the big stationary expos. Right. Um, and she ended up finding a manufacturer for me who just has been really great to work with. And, um, uh, you know, there's there's difficulties often from a I don't know if like your audience really cares about this, but I I, I think it's interesting, right? There's difficulties from um, a logistical standpoint, somewhat. Um, sometimes it, it's it uh, it's been certainly more complicated with like this COVID stuff, um, uh, and and it's, and it's um there's communication breakdowns, but but the work they do. Because uh, I've gotten samples. I got samples from probably eight different manufacturers. I've since gotten samples from places in the United States as well. And by far, they've done the best work. Um, and they've just been great to work with. And, you know, one of the things that um, I don't know, I, I kind of feel good about this is even with with the uh, with like the coronavirus, I mean, I was surprised to see like at, at certain points they were emailing me asking if they could send me masks and things like that and asking if I was doing okay. Right. Which is, oh, wow. you see all these things about kind of these trade wars between China and the U S and I'm, there's a lot of gamesmanship that I'm sure happens on a macro level, but at the end of the day, like we're all just human beings trying to do our thing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, so yeah, but, but I've been, I've been happy with it. Um, and the quality, as you alluded to, I mean, I, I feel really proud of the quality of it. I, I have a number of like journals and, other even products, planners, things like that. And, and I feel like, I mean, I think it's fair for me to say, I, I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to sell anyone on it. I think this is as good of quality um, as you're probably going to get, unless you're using like a real leather, which, because um, this, this is a PU leather. But I mean, there's concerns there around uh, ethical concerns a lot of people have as well. So this is kind of a happy medium. medium. Um, so that's the next question. Um, um, as a, I'm pr- pretty strict vegetarian, so there's a lot of stationary stuff that I don't use because I don't do leather, and sure. your covers are not leather. So was that a conscious choice to not, you know, coat your notebooks in dead animals? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was. So, so um, it was. Part of it also is... Um, I wanted to, I don't know. I mean, this gets into, this gets really <laughs> complex. It's funny because like, I don't, no one's ever asked me any of these questions. Right. Um, <laughs> but, um, one of the things is, um, 
One way to approach the monk manual I knew is I could either go and create them as units you would use and essentially you could save as almost kind of like a maybe like a legacy piece or something that you could refer back to. Um, and because it's so deep and because there's so many questions that are like very – they seem very simple, but they get right to the core of a lot of really deep things that are going on in your life at any given time. I didn't want it to be something that necessarily you just go and throw away. Not that I'm sure some people do do that. And I mean, I have had people reach out and say, hey, I'd love to have like a paperback version because like the materials, it's just wasteful or this or that if I'm going to be throwing it out. And I hear that. Um, but, I, it, you know, if I was going to do a leather thing for like the the amount of waste beyond even the ethical concern to go and do something that is um, unless I was going to have it be a book that could be switched out. um the uh, the ethical uh, concerns um, for 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 just doing one is one thing, but then if you're having people um, get different ones every ninety days, it's just like that's so exorbitant and um, just not good, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so so yeah, you know, I I don't have any intention of um, moving to to leather. I don't really see a need to do that, and I and I do know there's um, there's reasons not to. So, awesome. So, um, were there other sort of um, throw on the word ethical considerations when you were making this? Like, um, your certain recycled paper or types of inks or anything like that? Yeah, and you know, I, I wish I, I wish I had in front of me all the all the specs, and I don't, and I am not as um. <laughs> I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but I'm not probably as much of like a stationary. It's not even the stationary nerd. I just don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, it's all right. We're just big ass stationary nerds. So. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. No, that's awesome. I just, um, I know, I know at a minimum it is like a soy based ink. I, I don't know all the, all the other details. I know it's 120 GSM paper. Um, I know, um, I know some of the 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 facts in 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 that regard. I'll, I'll tell you this. I actually. So this might not be what people want to hear, um, but again, I, I I I think one of the things that's like great about a conversation like this is it's so informal that I can just kind of speak off the cuff. Oh, I yeah. um. There's a lot of things like there's there's kind of this collision that ends up happening when you do something like this between like ideals and like pragmatism, right? Like when mm -hmm. I was talking about the aspect with like China, right? There's um there's a certain aspect of um like I'd actually love to like my end hope is to actually move manufacturing to the United States and actually have um like do my own manufacturing in like an area that's maybe a little bit more depressed and kind of like build people up. And so I do have like a list of um, hoping to make, uh, like you think of like an Everlane, for example, or some mm -hmm. of these brands that are really like a core part of what they do is really trying to have everything as like ethical as possible and everything as responsible as possible. Um, my hope is that over time, to as as like the scalability kicks in to try and reinvest as much as I can into um, improving those things over time or or um, doing what can be done there at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that that's something I think a lot of people here love to just like dig into, right? Like you know you can't you can't start like controlling your supply chain really well until you have the scale, and you can't scale until you you know have a certain price and you can't hit a certain price and like it's a big kind of catch 22 and like yeah you can improve it slowly over time so for sure the people you're talking to here like you know understands 
you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. can I ask you a question really quick? Yeah. What do you, what do you find? Cause you probably talk to a lot of, um, your audience or have a good finger on the pulse. When you think about stationary, what do you think are the things that matter most to people from like an ethical standpoint? Oh, go ahead, Jenny. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so I noticed that whenever somebody makes stuff in America, people seem to take a lot of uh, stock in that and they like really push that like, Oh, this is made in America. That's why I like it. It's made in America. That's why it's so awesome. So it seems like that's something that a lot of folks are really into. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that, you know, there's, I think a lot of people think that if it's made overseas, it's really, you know, cheap or shoddy or something like that. And I don't think that's the case at all. Like, yeah, definitely not. Baron fig products, uh, for example, are really great and they're made overseas. I think what they're made in Vietnam. Is that right? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. They're not sure. released. Yeah. I can't remember where it says on the box. I believe. I believe I believe they're made in China, unless I'm I'm wrong because okay. I, I was actually connect. I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm I'm uh, I've worked with them in the past for yeah. um, samplings and things. Yeah, for they're sure. manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, so we mentioned this very briefly earlier, but could you talk a little bit about the PDF you made available for students on your uh, on your website? Yeah, you know what actually happened? It was um. It was really spur of the moment. It was a Sunday night, and I had um, uh, a school principal sent me an email asking if they could use the daily page spread and just give it out to their students. This was maybe a week or two into when all the schools had shut down. Mm. And I was like, you know, that's such a novel idea. I wouldn't even have thought that um, principals would want to do that. I, I, was, I, was, I was coming face-to-face with the reality that a lot of people were trying to figure out now how are they going to deal with a totally different um, way of life or rhythm for their life, right? And um, and so I, I I got that email, and then I was thinking, you know, what I should do is I, I should just go ahead and create some varied um, pages uh, that could be a little bit better suited for students as well as um, younger students, um, like children, because the monk manual. It does work. Like you could certainly give a monk the monk manual to college. There's a lot of college students who actually use it. Um, it's a little bit different for high school. Part of it is is you just don't need to have the same level of intentionality around a schedule when your schedule is already set for you, right? Like if <laughs> you're like in some ways, one of the things that inspired the monk manual is this idea of um, like a, a monk lives into this rhythm. Uh, for their day, right? It might be like from 10 to 11, they're in some sort of manual labor and then 11 to 12, they're in um, whatever, eating lunch. And there's such a freedom that comes from knowing that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. But what's interesting is like uh, for like high schoolers, they already have that or they did have that, right? It wasn't, um, they already had this this real rhythm and, and routine. So yeah, I put together these pages rather quickly in, in just a couple of days and uh, decide I want to give them out for free. So they're, they're on the website. If you go to monkmanual.com, there's a little link to student pages. And we have a page for parents, a page for kids, like younger students, and then um, a page for, a little, for older students, which is probably like uh, uh, mid, middle school and high school. Uh, and, and you don't even have to enter an email or anything. It's just a completely free download. Um, if you want to use those, so that, that's really just really great. And I think they're the, the organization of them as, as a teacher working, uh, a high school teacher working from home. Um, 
I've, I've shared this as, as kind of an optional thing with my students and hoping that they're using it. But I, I already, my, my brain is, is working forward into next year and thinking about if, you know, the kind of worst case scenario, if, the, if we have like a second wave of this, yeah. of this nightmare and that school isn't able to start as, uh, you know, as it should, then this is definitely a kind of thing that would just be a real lifesaver for some students who, who have enough trouble uh, focusing at home when their Xbox is six feet away. So just to give me <laughs> something to like, uh, t- to help them measure what's happened in a day instead of just losing it. You know? So I think that's or, really, thank you for doing that. Yeah. Or for example, if your Nintendo switch is sitting right here on this very desk. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> I, I keep that across the house. I mean, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> How funny. Yeah. Steven, I would be, uh, this, I would be remiss in, uh, for my, my pencil podcast. If I uh, did not ask you what kind of writing tools you prefer in writing in your monk manual. Ah oh, man, that's a good question. I um, you know what? I have a specific pen that my wife has gotten me into, and I'm going to try and see if I have one because I don't. This is the thing. I'm I'm not as uh, well versed as you guys are, so I don't know the names of these things off the top of my head. <laughs> no, you haven't looked up the specs. You don't so, have the name memorized. You don't. How so dare I you? Have, <laughs> right now, what I have this is going to be really exciting to you because I'm pretty sure this is like a cheap pen that I got from target it's called a pentel wow and i like the fact that you um i don't know it's just kind of a smooth writing um uh pen there's i think maybe are they called like zebra pens or something maybe that's the one that i often use um yeah that's a really zebra pens are great that was great. Yeah, that's that's often i i think that's my my favorite i've used but i do have this fantasy in my mind of doing um of being one of those guys who's got like the hundred and fifty dollar pen that like I just have is like my legacy pen. It's like on my desk, <laughs> the president or something. You know? Have you ever seen those? They got those cool pens. They're like hand machined and things like oh, that. Yeah. I know you guys are oh, pencil yeah. guys, but maybe there's we, a similar corollary. We were just before all this started at the Baltimore Pen Show doing a live show, and for sure there were like you know sixty dollars all the way up to like thousands, thousands of dollars of fountain pens and you know rollerballs oh, yeah. and gel pens. So can't imagine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, everybody, uh, all of the notebook companies we like almost without fail, they sort of branch out into, um, notebooks or pencils or pens. Do you have any sort of, um, profile projects in the works related maybe to the muck manual? Maybe a muck manual pencil. <laughs> be like, you know what? Nice raw finish <laughs> pencil. Yeah. I'm not, um, I'm not making this up when I say this. I will follow up with you guys and ask for your input on on those sorts of like devices. I I mean I've had people ask for those things. I just don't really know where to start, right? Because I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not an expert. It's like designing a car <laughs> when all you've ever done is written in one of those like plastic ones, right? That like the little kids <laughs> riding, right? So um, I'm just not a it, uh, I'm not well versed enough in that. But I will. I'm going to lean into you guys. So you just kind of sign yourself oh, up we'll. there. Um, <laughs> we'll follow up. <laughs> just, just, sure. we'll, we'll warn you ahead of time. You're going to get a lot of information coming your way. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love all <laughs> of it. Well, you know, you know, this isn't directly answering your question, but one of the things that's funny, I started this group on Facebook called The Camp um, for people who use the Monk Manual. And there's, there's a lot of people in the community who are very... Um, they're really like pen pencil aficionados. I've seen multiple people writing about, hey, what pen do you use? What pencil do you use? That sort of thing. Um, but in terms in terms of um, uh, adjacent products, I am in the process of uh, creating a few different things. I want to create a, um, a meditation journal. Um, I want to create a... Um, 
a couple other just basic journals. I have these little journals that um, I give out for free when people buy a monk manual. So it's kind of like a little surprise and delight item where I just throw in this like little pocket journal. Um, I also want to do these. Um, there's a pocket in the back of the monk manual, like um, a little, um, yeah, just a pocket. And what I want to do is create a few different um, like really thin booklets that can go in there to um, to help almost build it out in, in sort of like a, a widget sort of fashion, right? So some people say, hey, I'd love if there's some extra note pages. So maybe it's like a little thin 12-page booklet of note pages, or maybe it's um, a 12-month calendar, or it's like a goal-setting tool for the whole year, right? So I'm, I'm working it's on a monk manual now. manual. Yeah, a manual <laughs> for the monk manual, and it's it's all just waterfall, you know? It just keeps on... <laughs> There's just one just small. Adding complexity. <laughs> there's just a planner inside a planner inside a planner. <laughs> you just keep on opening it up. So, <laughs> so there the you inception go. planner. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's what we need. That's what the world well, needs. I think a a really great way for us to to wrap this up is to talk about how something like what you've been describing over this conversation is relevant to a time that we're living in right now. So, could you say a little bit about that? About how how you see that maybe organizing your life in such a way with this planner, with this, with this manual is something that could be uh, especially beneficial during the, the times we're going through right now. Yo, let me ask you guys really quick. How has your life changed since um, all this has happened? It's oh, gotten <laughs> simpler and more complicated. Uh, <laughs> um, it's like, it, yeah, it's, uh, that's my my first answer. Jane and I were talking about that last night. We're, my, that's my wife. Uh, we we feel like our life has has simplified quite a bit. Where a lot of stuff has been cut out of it, but everything that's happening within this like little microcosm area that we're in uh, has become much harder to manage because it's like yeah. you you don't have work brain and home brain and like personal time brain, it's all swirling around at the same time. Like you're like, you're constantly parenting and teaching and working and taking care of your house all at the same time. It's it, that's, that's my, my answer. <laughs> we, were doing, we were just talking about that last night. So. so, um, I lock myself in the bathroom with the exhaust fan on and my electric toothbrush to brush my teeth because that's five minutes of quiet. So that describes what life is like right now. Sure. Yeah. I think generally my, so I don't have kids. So in some ways my life is much simpler <laughs> than yours, than yours are. And, uh, parts of work are exactly the same. Cause it's, it's a job that we could have done over, you know, remote anyway. But for me, definitely like, I feel like the days are all kind of blending together more that the whole thing about our, our boundaries, just kind of like squishing together is definitely for sure. a thing I feel. Yeah, so I think I think that one of the things um, that that I um, think is relevant about the monk manual, or, or maybe um, makes it feel relevant right now, is that um, one of the first insights I had uh, after you know I've I've, I've kids um, and married and uh, the change of pace and everyone being here. What I ended up thinking about one at, at one point a couple weeks in was that. It's fascinating how much we, over time, have like outsourced, right? As like a culture. Um, so, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but it, it's I think of like my kids, for example, right? They they would be going normally to school every day, 
And for most of the history of like humanity, like that was not the case, right? But we decided at some point we were going to outsource and our kids would go off to school and we'd go off to our business and all these things would kind of be decentralized. And in many ways, it's been centralized now. And I think that part of it is it is complicated because we're dealing with all these things that like no one has infrastructure for. Like as a culture, we don't have infrastructure, but in our own lives, we don't have infrastructure. Um, but but what's, what's, what I think the monk manual is um, – who the monk manual works really well for is um, people who have some degree of relative, um, I don't know if autonomy is the word, but maybe agency, um, the ability to go and and shape and to um, influence, like to take charge. Not, I, I, carpe diem is not the right way to put it because it's not, this isn't, it's not about like crushing anything really, um, but it is about... Um, yeah, I mean, taking like responsibility and, and really driving intentionality in your life. And I think probably in, in some ways we have more opportunity for that because no one's really um, doing it for us. It's it's much more, <laughs> there's so much that, that normally our boundaries other people set that we're living into and now we're creating our own boundaries and our own systems. And so I think something like the Monk Manual can be really helpful um, when you're trying to develop your own system of life, right? It, 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 maybe where you would normally be operating in an operating system someone else created, now you're having to create your own. And so um, something I think like the monk manual can be a, a, a good starting point. You're just in there in the, the you know, DOS <laughs> editor, the, the DOS command <laughs> line of life. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Um, where where can people a buy a monk manual and then b you know kind of follow you and your business more on the internet? Yeah, so I am um, uh, really if you if you go to monkmanual.com, um, you'll see it's not a huge site from just being sprawling or anything. It's um, a few different pages. There's some content on some of the principles behind it. You can buy the monk manual there as well, just at monkmanual.com. And then, um, I mean, probably the most active other thing is our, is our Instagram. Um, you can sign up for emails. Uh, and I do put out a newsletter about every month, um, that a lot of people really like at some point I'll have those readily available, all the different reflections, um, that are generally in this space, but, uh, really, it's just kind of a reflection on whatever is, um, I guess, the wisdom that I feel like is helpful to share at that time. So, um, so yeah, Monk Manual uh, on Instagram and then monkmanual.com, probably the best places to go. Very nice. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been great. Thanks, Stephen. Cool. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Stephen, so much for joining us. Um, so, uh, Johnny, how can people find you on the internet? You can find me on PencilRevolution.com and on social media at PencilUtion. It's Tim. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Wassum. You can find me on Instagram at Timothy Wassum because I can't figure out how to get at Tim Wassum back. <laughs> and you can listen to me on the membership, which is found at Membership Pod everywhere. Nice. And I'm Andy Wellfley. You can find me at Andy.WTF and uh, at A Wellfley on um, Twitter and Instagram. Um, don't come find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, so this is the Erasable Podcast. Uh, you can find uh, show notes and links for this episode, plus the recording at erasable.us slash 141. 
Um, you can find our Patreon at um, patreon.com slash erasable uh, to find a whole host of extra goodies. Uh, we just released a, a seven-minute audio clip of us talking with Kiki Petrosino, who was our guest on the last show, talking about bourbon and talking about shrubs and all sorts of fun things. So as a uh, Patreon subscriber, that's something you have access to. Um, our Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash erasable. Really great discussion. One of the friendliest places on the internet. Um, and you can find um, our sort of like mouthpieces, social media presences on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at Erasable Podcast. Uh, so before we go, I'm going to thank our uh, producer level supporters on Patreon, uh, those who are giving uh, $10 a month or more. Um, and uh, those people are Alex Jonathan Brown, Ann Sype, Bob Ostwald, Bobby Letzinger, Chris Jones. Chris Metzkis, Chris Ulrich, Dave McDonald, Dave Tubman, Fourth Letter, Franklin Furlong, that's a great name, uh, Gangster Hotline, Hans Zudelman, Hunter McCain, Jacqueline Myers, uh, James Dominguez, Jason Dill, Jay Newton, Joe Crace, John Bainan, Johnny Baker, Kathleen Rogers, Kelton Weens, Larry Grimaldi, Leslie Tuzo. Mary Collis, Measure Twice, Michael Diolosa, Michael Hagen, Millie Blackwell, Random Thinks, Sarah Hunter, Stuart Lennon, Tana Feliz, Terry Beth Ledbetter, and Think Travel Eat. Thank you all so very much uh, for your support. You help make this show possible. Uh, and we will, uh, we will catch you next time. Do you like our podcast? Most people like our podcast. But if you like our podcast, Maybe we'll turn it off.